Welcome to another edition of the Mind Shock Podcast. This is Bruce McGuire. Yeah, this is Rick Davis. I do shoot. And Maxwell Powers. And uh, <clears throat> that our topic for today is something that uh, everyone has heard of: the Knights Templar. But Rook David is actually uh, Rook Davis is actually <laughs> is actually uh, uh, one of the most advanced scholars in the world on on the Knights Templar. Actually, wrote a novel greatly concerning it. Uh, only one? Yeah, well, only one that involves the Knights Templar. So we're going to be going into the deepest secrets oh, of the man. Knights Templar. Okay. Right. Never before revealed. <laughs> All of this has been revealed. Where do you okay, think I give, me, it? give me an introduction because I don't really know what the, the Knights Templar is. Go ahead, Rook. Floor is oh yours. Oh my god. All right. So the Knights Templar. Uh, <laughs> this is terrible. All right. Well, they were they were formed uh, during the Crusades uh, to go over to take back Jerusalem and, and fight the, the bad people over there. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it? Yeah, it's as simple as that. <laughs> you said the simple version. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. right. That's fine. So, no, that's so that's all right, all right. They said that they were going over to fight in the Holy Wars. And they really had a mission because when they got over there, they were given permission to dig under uh, Solomon's temple. Solomon, the soul of man. Soul of yeah, man. yeah, yeah. And they and they got they got dispensation, and they were allowed to dig. So they set up camp, and they stayed there. And I think it was like eight years digging under uh, the temple because they were looking for something. And they didn't fight in the wars. They didn't escort people back and forth. And that was what their their mission statement was: that they were going to escort people and <clears throat> and what have you. And instead, they just set up camp and they dug. And apparently they found something because one day they just packed up and then came back home. And and so they didn't really fight. They didn't really escort people. They went over there. They looked for something and they came back. And they were like an order of poor monks. And when they went over, they had no money. But, I mean, they were from named families. When they came back, they had untold riches. And they had unquestioned power because you know the whole the pope and the vatican you know were kind of afraid of them so whatever they found gave them power and money and dispensation they didn't have to pay any tax on any of the money that they made they came back they set up uh, the first banking system and so travelers who were traveling there was no banks so imagine if you leave your castle and you have to travel across the country and you know everybody's going to rob you and if you bring money, you're going to get waylaid and all your shit's going to get stolen. So you would go to a Knights Templar, you know, house, you know, or castle or what have you. You would give them, like, whatever it is that you wanted. You would give them money. You would give them possessions, whatever it was. They would write you out a receipt for whatever you left with them for how much it was worth. And then wherever you traveled, they had another house set up. And when you got there, you would go to the Knights Templar House Bank in that location, hand in your receipt, and they would give you the equivalent in riches back. And that's how the first banking system got set up, because people couldn't carry all their shit with them without getting robbed. And so they would just go to a Knights Templar house. Now, so, so what's your theory on how they got all the secret information and power? Well, because they were digging... So you're saying the Knights Templar started the whole the banking system? system yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, wasn't it? Uh, what's how do you, um, what about the Rothschilds? I thought there was kind of like, was it the Rothschilds? Um, I don't know. Do you know about the Rothschilds? Mm-hmm. So, well, so we're talking, he's talking, the Knights Templar was what year? It's like way, way before, before, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, so it started all the way from there because the yeah. other and then, one of the we'll get into this a little bit later, but the Knights Templar supposedly started the country of Switzerland and Swiss yeah. banking and all of that. Uh, and I think the Ro- the Rothschilds were independent of that, right? They were outside. So of it's that. completely they separate. The separate bank, uh, other banks. I think I don't know. I'm not an expert in the Rothschilds. <laughs> okay. I, I thought I thought Maxwell knew more about them. What about the Bilderbergers? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. The Rockefellers. Yeah, because this, this, this was uh, during the first crusade, so, you know. Um, so, whatever they found, 
Okay, and then there's a lot of conjecture on what it was that they found. They went over there looking for something. And if you read the Da Vinci Code, and, you know, I don't believe that that's what they found, because I think that was just novelized. They weren't looking for... But Reddit saw the movie. It was pretty good. But what they... But they did find something that they could use to kind of threaten the Vatican and threaten the Pope because the Pope gave them dispensation for everything. They didn't have to pay any taxes, you know, uh, and anybody who was associated with them because when the Templars came back, they used the Masons in order to build their their church with their uh, sacred architecture and what have you. And the Masons didn't have to pay any taxes either because the Masons were building for the Templars. And then supposedly what they found is hidden in Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. So one of the theories, I don't know if you heard this one, is that they found the Ark of the Covenant. Yep. And so that, and then they moved it to to uh, Oak Island. Yep. And then they buried it. And then aren't they doing? I, I read somewhere they're doing a new underground radar scan of Oak Island. Well, Oak Island now. Um, I'm trying to think. They're finishing up their their digs because they lost the original money pit, and then that one collapsed. And so, like, they're digging like uh, where they think the original money pit was because I forgot the guy's name. In the early uh, early 1900s, he I'm trying to think when it was crap. He blasted out the money pit. And so the original money pit got lost. And so then they started drilling where they thought it was and next to it and borehole X. And, and it's crazy. We'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, so here, here's the, um, I found a little snippet on the very beginning. The Order of the Knights Templar was founded in 1118 by nine knights. Hughes de Payens, Godfrey de Saint Omer, Rosal, Gondomer, Geoffrey Bissol. Payen de Montdidier, Archambon de Saint Agnat, Andre de Montbard, and the Hugh Count de Champagne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Order of Poor Knights. Two of them are riding on one horse because they claim they were so poor. And so the whole district of where Solomon's Temple was was given to the Templars. And the Templar and the Temple Mount remained the headquarters for seventy years of the Templars. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not exactly because I know they they lived under, so they were given permission to dig. I don't think it was theirs because they had to get permission, and then after they found what they found, I believe it was after eight years, they packed up and left. So do you know? Yeah, and then others stayed, right? Uh, I think no. I think they, they packed left? up and left. Why was it their headquarters seventy years? Because I don't think it was. Oh, they just said it was. All right, so you know Albert Pike, the uh, occultist. Supposedly, mean. his manifesto led to the founding of America and all that stuff, oh, and, and the new Atlantis or whatever. No. All right, so Albert Pike in uh, in Morals and Dogma, which is one of Freemasonry's main books, and Grandmaster Albert Pike was a Freemason. He apparently he revealed the Templars' true purpose in this book. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, well, what do they say? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of. Are you sure you want to know what it is, or should you just skip over their true purpose? It, it, or is well, this yeah, podcast but, about the greatest secrets of the night? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it's 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 going to be conjecture anyway because you know if you look at what you know Philip cited when he uh, had them arrested and killed that was different than what they said their mission was their mission changed after they became rich so go ahead read it what does he say it was he said the uh the avowed object of the templars was to protect the christians who came to visit the holy places their secret object was the rebuilding of the temple of solomon uh on the model prophesied by ezekiel the Knights Templar, he continued, were from the very beginning devoted to opposition to the tiara of Rome and the crown of its chiefs. The objects of the Templar, he said, was to acquire influence and wealth and then to intrigue and at need fight to establish the Joannite or Gnostic and Kabbalistic dogma. 
Yeah, because it, it gets it gets very strange because after they found whatever they found, they came back and they were they became spectacularly wealthy. They they didn't help the people traveling to and from the Holy Land, and you know they held whatever they had over the church's head and over the King of France's head, and then it ended up that France and the Crown owed them so much money that eventually, you know. Uh, the crown of France teamed up with the Pope to to destroy them, but the there's strange rumors because they were knights of, of God and Christian knights, but then when you look into their secret practices, there was rumor that they worshipped a disembodied head. And, and all so, much other paganism, right? Well, yeah, and so the disembodied head was the biggest was the the biggest Baphomet. thing yeah Baphomet <laughs> which you know you can translate to Muhammad if you want well and I know that you and I have talked about that well and, not only that but then there was also um it was one of the apostles right that they, there was well John the Baptist yes because his head yeah. was and there was a head a disembodied head in all four corners of their kingdom at the height of their power and supposedly at the center there was a golden skull and so it gets very strange. And when you look at the four corners of their kingdom, when they were at the height of their power, there was a stronghold in all four corners. And supposedly there was a reliquy in each one of those with a disembodied head. And the heads could talk and give them, they, the heads could, um, they were like prognosticators and they could tell them uh, the future. And that's supposedly how they were able to perpetuate their wealth because the heads would tell them and warn them and then people are like well why didn't the head warn them that you know on friday the 13th when the king of france marched on their stronghold why didn't the heads warn them well and and one of the theories is they did they did of all the ships that disappeared because and sailed all the, away all the treasures were gone yeah. when they got to the mother house and the ships the yeah. ships in the well the ships yeah. in the harbor yeah. because all the treasure in the mother house they loaded on the ships and left so supposedly they had did and did you hear about uh, and only their the ships what, that, that, stayed? the ships that left they bore the the jolly roger the skull and crossbones which was the templar symbol well and that's a and, disembodied head and <laughs> and that's what all the pirates of the high seas mm -hmm. were the former templars that escaped <laughs> yeah it's, so it gets crazy <clears throat> yep and there's and there's rumor of uh reliquies that the the pirates would carry because you know how you have your two crossbones yeah. in your skull yeah it's 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 crazy. And then the other other Templars that didn't sail on the ships, they went to Switzerland, formed Switzerland, and then the other ones went to Scotland and formed the modern Freemasonry. Well, it, well, and because the Masons always worked for the Templars. Yeah. And if you look, there were so many orders that absorbed Templars and admitted they absorbed them because the Hospitallers yes. admitted that Templar Knights came and they yeah, absorbed them. Bunch, yeah. 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 All right, so um, also the book, you mentioned this book before, the Hiram Key. Yeah, I've read the Hiram Key. It and scared me. That's Christopher Knight Wait, and Robert Robert Lomas. Yeah, and that's the second Christopher Knight. That's not the first one who disappeared. Wait, why did it scare you? It's because it goes over some of their secret practices, and it gets very dark and very disturbing. Oh, like sacrifices <clears throat> and all that crazy. Well, yeah, because like like, and it's it's strange because there was a Christopher Knight, and someone might want to check this. So his last name was really Knight. Of the Knights Templar? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the first one... What a coincidence. ...was supposedly a Mason, left the Masons, and wrote a tell-all book, published the book, and then very quickly, all the copies of the book were bought up and you can't get it. <laughs> and then within a year or two, then he disappeared. And if you looked him up, you couldn't find any reference to him. And all the books, if you try to buy it, they're like, oh, it's not out of publication, but there are no copies available. So unless the Masons went and bought all the copies of the book, like what happened to all the copies of the book? And supposedly the Masons killed him. And then, I don't know how many years later, that Christopher Knight, who spells his name different, wrote the Hiram Key, which again gives all the secrets, but it's contrary to the book you can't get. And so people are suspecting that that Christopher Knight is a fake person an imposter clone like like a show put in place by yeah. by the the masons and that the information that he gives 
though creepy and disturbing, isn't the real information. But it freaked me out because, like, their orientation, the last step before you become a mason, they take you down into the basement and they have a coffin for you with, like, a tombstone with your name written on it. And they put a bag over your head. And they have a hammer. And they're supposed to symbolically hit you in the head with a hammer. You have to trust that they're not going to kill you. They'll put you in the, the casket and shut the top. And you can't tell anybody where you're going to be. So when you go to be initiated, you can't tell anybody you're being initiated. You can't tell anybody where you're going. You can't mention what you're doing. And you can't say that you're going to be a mason. You have to put a bag over your head, get hit in the head with a hammer, and put into a coffin in a basement. And what gets weird is if they suspect that you have told, they kill you and put you in that coffin and leave the bag over your head and bury you. And since supposedly you didn't tell anybody, they can't find you. And so you don't know if they're going to kill you for real or not kill you. It's messed up. And, and it gets really scary because just think about that. Like if they think that you held out, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, you didn't pass your initiation, they will kill you and bury you. But you have to have faith and that they will. This is all laid out in a, in a book. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucked up. Wait, so is it? That's messed up. Oh, you know, you I won't, I won't name names, but you know who's a, who's a mason? Um, Everybody? No, uh, one of the well, people from of one of the people from. Uh, Oh jeez! Oh. All right. Anyway, uh, like, there's a lot of. All right. So, <laughs> so the and I questioned him at Seven okay. Eleven because I saw his Mason ring and I said, "So you're a Mason? And you want to talk about?" Oh, so Christopher Knight and Robert Lomas assert that the Templars discovered a secret in the ruins of the temple. This then changed their worldview, and from then on, they adopted unchristian teachings. Mm. Their protection for pilgrims became a front yep. from behind which they hid their real intent and activities. Yep. Okay. Well, that, that's what we call in the question, because when they went over there, they said that they were going to escort, you know, uh, people journeying to the, the Holy Lands. And then when they got there, all they did was dig. And then when they found what they found, they left. And they didn't do any of what they said they were going to do. But the uh, another historian, Gaetan de la Forge, also mentions the true purpose of the Templars. And uh, he said that the real task of the Nine Knights was to carry out research in the area in order to obtain certain relics and manuscript which contain the essence of the secret traditions of Judaism and ancient Egypt, which I guess is referring to Kabbalah. Well, and, and also that could be the uh, the Ark of the Covenant as well, though. I mean, because the two go kind of hand in hand. Now, Harad rebuilt Solomon's Temple, so it wasn't the original Solomon's Temple. Mm -hmm. So... Like, how far down the rabbit hole do you go? Because I know some people believe the Templars encountered, like, demons or Satan or, or someone that, you know, they sold their souls to in exchange for all the power in the world, and then they were able to do everything they were able to do. And a lot of these ancient traditions of Kabbalah and all that are the same as, like, the ancient Sumerians and Babylonians practiced, where they supposedly also sold their souls, and these were the same demons that keep coming back and, uh, you know, granting power to those who will... Uh, you know, sell their soul. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, if you if you believe that they were worshippers of the disembodied head, and that it was Baphomet, you know, and, and forget the Muhammad translation, because I think that's trying to clean it up a little bit. Like, Baphomet, right off the bat, is, is just kind of nasty, and worshipping, you know, a decapitated head, you, you know... And then having a head in all four corners of your kingdom, I mean, that that does sound a little uh, demonic. and <laughs> You know, and supposedly they, and then it's hard to tell because um, when the king tried them, because I think they tried Jacques de Molay, the last of their leaders, yeah. and uh, they were accused of having the disembodied heads. They were accused of worshipping Baphomet, and they were accused of, I guess, I think, spitting on the cross. And and renouncing Christ and you know and they were also accused of, of homosexuality because they said that 
that right from the very beginning they were a gay or homosexual order and that's why they were two knights on one horse but they said it was two knights on one horse because they were so poor that <laughs> they couldn't afford two horses and back then that's you know up. a horse is pretty expensive well because i mean seriously think about it like if if you and i were traveling somewhere we'd be two guys in a car <laughs> you know what i mean i mean you know like and, and you'd be like oh we'll buy another car and we'll drive separate well then how are we supposed to talk about shit so <laughs> All right, so the Kabbalah, for those that don't know, it means oral tradition, and it's an esoteric branch of mystical Judaism. And its true purpose is, uh, well, it's the facets of Kabbalah are, are sorcery and uh, black magic, and it pr supposedly predates the Torah and the, o the Old Testament. And the main purpose is acquiring supernatural powers. Well, and, and again, how far do you have to go because if you notice the Knights Templar very quickly get tied up with the Masons but I mean they hired the Masons and they got them dis dispensation for taxes so they were very close knit but when you trace it all the way to just like a century ago you know all of the you know I, I'm not going to say crazy but, but all of the either devil worshipping cults all of the occult and search for power, like the Order of the Golden Dawn, that very quickly gets tied up with what you were just saying. And yes. there's, and, you know, and the Templar Knights were connected to everything, whether well, it's a lie or it's of, the truth. One of the reasons they got connected was because as they were becoming more popular, because of their rapid growth, their enigma from their mystical teachings drew the attention of all these high-ranking European aristocrats. So once the influence was in the royal families, all of a sudden now Knights Templar touches absolutely everything. Oh yeah, and, and back then it, when they were the head of the banking system, very rich families would come and donate their estates. Like back then when they started the banking, in order to become a Knights Templar, after they were founded, you had to give up your estates and donate it to the Templar order in order to be a Templar knight. And then that's a lot of what they would use as their monetary exchange. So like if they went into another country and you know a high-ranking prince from that country wanted to be a Templar knight, they would say, okay, well, give us a castle. You know, give us all the paintings and all the tapestries and all the gold in that castle. You get to be a knight. And then when somebody needs a monetary exchange, they can stop off at your castle. And when we, when they give us their paper saying, you know, we have to give them 50,000 gold, we'll give them tapestries and gold and chandeliers and candlesticks from your castle in exchange. And that's how their monetary system worked. And that's how the rich families of Europe and around the world became associated with the Templar Knights. And very quickly that transitions into today with all the rich families of Europe having some kind of Templar tie-in. <clears throat> it is estimated that in the 13th century the Templars got to numbers of 160,000. Yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. That's insane. And if, if you see a round church... Round churches were created by the Templar Knights. The, the church itself is supposedly round. And so, like, whenever you're driving, if you notice, like, all the big cathedrals, like Notre Dame and, and Amiens, they're, they're normal cathedral shape, like they're rectangular with all of their, their branch outs. And they hired the Masons to make those. But the Templar churches were round. So, you know, when they built the huge churches for, you know, Catholicism, they made them traditional. Is this then, a good time to work in sacred geometry? Well, well, that's what the, the Templar, or the Masons used yeah. in order to, to create Amiens. <clears throat> and supposedly the Templars were also instrumental in the Magna Carta. And so they were in all of the ruling houses of Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the sacred geometry supposedly came from whatever they found underneath the, the Temple of Solomon. And supposedly 
when Solomon built his temple, he used sacred architect, uh, geometry in order to build his temple, and then the secrets were hidden with the Ark of the Covenant. Well, wasn't, wasn't King Solomon... David's son? I'm not sure. Well, I, I, I forget the lineage, but uh, didn't his whole thing revolve around summoning demons? <laughs> well, anyway. The sacred no, architecture really. was supposedly... <laughs> is what he used to create his temple because the temple was supposed to be un unbelievable and then with the Ark of the Covenant and the sacred geometry they buried everything and that's what the Templar Knights it's suspected were trying to find and then when they found whatever it was they found and they went back to Europe they gave the sacred geometry to the Masons and then ha because the Masons were already stone workers and architects and then that's what they used in order to build the cathedrals for the, the Templar Knights. And like Roslyn Temple and the Apprentice Pillar. Well going back to the to the architecture, before before this architecture there was nothing else like it. It was like a yeah. big leap yep. in technology which uh Well, it's a huge leap, and even if you go to uh, Roslyn Temple in Scotland, and you look at the architecture in that, and you look at the the Apprentice Pillar, it's still some of the most amazing. Like the Apprentice Pillar is crazy, and uh, when they were building Roslyn Temple, supposedly the head mason or the head uh, builder <clears throat> allowed one of his apprentices to make a pillar. And he carved the most elaborate pillar. Because you know how, like, generally pillars are round or you can have a square pillar? Yeah. He had a pillar and it warps. It's like you took a square pillar and twisted it. But he supposedly hand cut it. You yeah. know, hand carved it, but it's twisted. And so to have the vision to cut a marble pillar like that. And when, the, when his master saw the pillar, he took his hammer and he killed him. And he killed the apprentice. He well, there's that. also a theory that a lot of these uh, super advanced architect architectures were created by advanced technologies like lasers and stuff, and, well, and that, that was all covered up. Well, and that's one of the reasons why the apprentice pillar is so unbelievable. Because, I mean, if you have vision and you're an artist and you can see it, you should be able to make it. And that's wherein the genius lies. But... You know, it that, that's with just a hammer and chisel to take a square pillar and twist it and then cut it with no mistakes, you know, that that's true genius. But then the master killed him, beat him to death with his, with his fucking hammer. And so, you know, talk about jealousy. Or, or was he mad that he stole his laser and his, uh, <laughs> and his uh, 3D printer? So which cathedral? The North Tower of the Chartres, the Charter Cathedral. Chartres? Yeah, supposedly there's an engraving. And it says, uh, here is hidden the Ark of the Covenant. That's weird. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and the Templars were the ones that, uh, you know, had it built, so it would make sense. But then again, the, the Ark of the Covenant, or what supposedly was in the secrets that were in either the Ark or with the Ark, are supposed to have made their way all the way to Roslyn Temple. And then they were supposedly smuggled out of Roslyn Temple to Oak Island. So it just keeps getting strange and coming full circle. Also, Albert Pike, people credit him for being responsible for wanting or for implanting the idea of a new world and a new global empire of the America. No, of uh, America. America. And possibly even the t he came up with the title America, I forget. But, uh, and he was, a, he was a master mason. And then he also, uh, so if they had brought in the Ark, so, so the theory of the Ark of the Covenant is wherever it traveled is where the world power was. So the Egyptians had it at one point, then the mm -hmm. Greeks, and then the Templars, and then, so then Europe was the main power, England, going between England, France, whatever, and then when they went to the New World, if they took the Ark with them, and obviously George Washington was a master Amazing. mason, and so if they were all operating, you know, under Pike's vision, 
you see when his inauguration painting he was wearing yes. his, his yes. His mason robes. Yes, yeah. that was great. So if if they were all yeah. operating, it was under, yeah, yeah, no. If they were all operating under, you know, the power of the Ark, and then that America became a superpower, and now if the Ark is being transferred to China or wherever, <laughs> oh jeez. And it, it, it's funny because when you when you follow the Ark, there's so many because supposedly, it's. It's in that little teeny temple in what Ethiopia is that where? So that's where <laughs> it was at one point. But I think they I still have that temple. No, but I believe they still I believe it. it's a farce because yeah. They, yeah, I think they just said that. Well, yeah, because if it was there once and then it left, you yes. wouldn't, you wouldn't say, "Oh, it's gone now," you, because yeah. then you'd lose your job. What am I guarding if the ark left? I want my job forever. And you see how what is it? The sons of Levi are the only ones who could touch the ark of the covenant. I believe that's what it was. In the Bible? Well, going back to George Washington, because supposedly the Revolutionary War was going very badly. Valley Forge. <laughs> like Maxwell, that's what we were talking yesterday. They needed their wooden, their woolen socks for, for Valley Forge because it got cold. But, uh, but yeah, and then out of nowhere, it turns around and Washington wins. And historians to this day can't really p figure out how that happened. So everything from aliens to supernatural Wait, assistance. So, so mainstream stories are, are thinking this? Like, yeah, kinda... I mean, they think it's a sudden turn of the tide that's not quite accounted for. Hmm. No, no, uh, when when did they cite the, the turnaround? Like, after, like if he survives Valley Forge and then they, they survive Valley Forge and they should have all died there? And since they... Yeah, but didn't not only the death, well, also their diminishing force, their diminishing starving forces, and ability to fight the cold and all that against overwhelming force, and somehow they still won. Yeah, lots of Indians and French. <laughs> yeah, I still don't think that accounts for it. And stupid British standing orders and firing in, in firing lines. Yeah, but it, yeah, but I, I, it would be fun to. Can you imagine George? He's like, Yo, Lafayette, man, when the fuck is the Ark getting here? I don't know if it'll be here soon. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. oh, <laughs> what? Lafayette was French. So if well, okay, let's go into Switzerland again. So obviously mm -hmm. the Swiss flag is the Templar symbol, yeah. basically. Yeah. And they're all like about Templar cross. And they're all about the banking. So mm -hmm. they were already the number one in banking, and they knew how all that. Well, worked. yeah, because they said they. So how there. does how does that work for today? Like like so Switzerland's not real. I mean, I guess banking. Yeah. yeah banking wise, there's still a power, but other than that. Yeah, yeah, but we don't know what secrets they have because they're very, very secretive. And I think it's like a nine-year waiting list to become a citizen of Switzerland. Because you know you don't have to pay income tax. Because they've a, a, amassed such large <clears throat> amount of finances that uh, they don't need to pay or to collect income tax to support their country. So it's either... So if we, if we want to go somewhere, we want to go to either Switzerland or Monaco. That's where the Formula One drivers go. Because they don't have to pay. If you want to go, for what reason? No income tax. Yeah. Because Monaco <laughs> or, makes so much or the, money. Or the free, uh, the free society. Project. No, it's, it's their money because it's because they, they're making their money. They don't live in the country of their origin. And they don't want to have to pay tax. So like Lewis Hamilton is from England and he signed a hundred and fifty million dollar uh, contract with Mercedes-Benz or Daimler-Benz because it's Europe so Daimler-Benz and so he's gonna get a hundred and fifty million dollars he doesn't want to have to pay income tax on a hundred and fifty million dollars to England and so he lives in Monaco and all he has to do is deposit his money and you know he doesn't have to pay income tax and he still you, you know, races for England, even though he doesn't stay there. Because if you live in Monaco for a year, you're allowed to claim citizenship. So all you have to do is... Just a year? Yeah, one year. Switzerland's nine years, and I think you have to have a buddy system. Like, someone has to bring you in or refer you, and then you have to be there for nine years before you're allowed to be a citizen. But Monaco, it's one year. But... So that makes it easy. I mean, well, it's funny because Monaco's like it's. If you look at it, it's really just a fishing village yeah. in France. 
So if you go down by the water, there's like fishing shacks. So you can go down there, get a shack and fish and claim Monaco as your residence. But if you go into but the, the U- but the US won't let you leave, right? That's just well, it's, 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 yeah, like actually what? I looked it up um briefly uh, it's hard to be a non-american citizen it, once just, you become a u.s citizen it's hard to get well out. yeah yeah but you can get dual citizenship or you can just become an expat but a, a an apartment a loft apartment a one-room loft apartment in monaco is a million dollars so if you if you don't want to live in a fishing shack it's it's quite expensive yeah but if you and i went to monaco yeah. and got an apartment and stayed there for a year we could claim citizenship, and it wouldn't matter what the United States said. And then when we made our $150 million, we just deposited it in a Swiss Monacan bank, bank and, or a Swiss <laughs> bank. And Yeah, but if I'm living in Monaco, I'm going to put it in Monaco. What's that? Prentice oh, the, the Prentice Pillow. See, isn't that pretty crazy? Yeah. But look at it. You see how it's square on the top and yeah. bottom, and then he twisted it, and he just carved it by hand with a chisel. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. What is it? There's the pillar he was talking about. If you made it light so you can see oh, the the wraparounds are yeah. like flowers. It's yeah. it's unbelievably beautiful. Oh, it's a it's a stone it's pillar. A pillar. Yeah. Yeah. Was it is it holding up anything? Yeah. It is said to be a copy of Solomon's temple which was in Jerusalem. Mhm. And then we didn't talk about the Kirkwall scroll. Do you know about the Kirkwall no. scroll? So, um, it's a historical <coughs> document that hangs on display in a Masonic lodge in Orkney, England, which was carbon dated to the 15th century. It's three sheets of paintings that, uh, and the text is written in an Enochian alphabet from the Book of Enoch called the Language of Angels. And it features extensive original Masonic symbolism. Um, it's proving that Freemasonry was independent of... Uh, Okay, the Kirkwood Scroll is significant as perhaps the most tangible evidence proving that masonry was independent as a unique offshoot since its earliest inception and was mostly created for the Order of the Temple of Solomon to protect themselves as a formerly uh, persecuted order surviving in secrecy. Yeah, because um, a lot of people now misconstrue history and they think that, that when the Templars disappeared they became masons. And, and that's not the case, because when the Templar Knights returned, they hired the Masons and protected the Masons and used the Masons to build their buildings. And so right from the, the start, you knew they were two separate entities, because if they're one entity, right, if the Templar Knights were murdered and killed and they had to reform as the Masons, then how could the Templar Knights hire the Masons at the time of their origin? So they were a separate group. And then when they went to uh, Europe's, the head of Europe and to the Pope and to the Vatican and to the King of France, they argued that the Masons should be independent of, of paying any taxes. And so the Masons had dispensation as well. So they were, they were always a separate group because they were persecuted. And they had the sacred geometry, like you mentioned. Now, here's here's a topic that I think a lot of listeners will ask: What's how did how did the Illuminati fit into all this? The Illuminati versus the Freemasons versus the Templars, because they're all intertwined since like ancient Sumeria, you know, when the formation of the original Freemasons and well, the Illuminati. <laughs> well, it, it was it was funny because yesterday I was talking to uh, one of my. Let's see, either, either I was talking to one of my friends and his son, or I was talking to one of my friends and his father. <laughs> and, and the son was like, oh, you know, we were discussing, you know, conspiracy theories and, and, and the such. And, and the son was like, oh, yeah, just like the Illuminati, you know. And he said it kind of disparagingly, like it wasn't real. And I'm like, well, the Illuminati obviously 
is a real organization, but they would like you to think that they're not, yeah. but they are, and you don't know when they started or where they are, and so you can't prove that they are real or they're not real other than them being mentioned from... Well, the Bavarian <laughs> Illuminati was completely real. Oh, well, yeah, well, all of them and, were. It's just, and, yeah. it's just that they don't, they don't want any scrutiny. But, uh... Well, the whole intertwining aspect, because... It, it, it's hard because most people think, okay, they're evil, but the Illuminati, by by definition, is to light. illuminate. Yep, to Just light like it Lucifer, up. Lucifer, the light bringer, and then people associate that with Satan. But hold on a second. If the light bringer or the light bearer is bringing technology and knowledge, I mean, obviously it could be used for good or evil, so it gets tricky real quick. Oh, well, yeah, but when... It gets when, tricky real quick. When Lucifer was created and when he was serving God... He wasn't supposed to be, he wasn't the devil, you know, and yeah. he was supposed to be the most fair. And so, you know, his name, you know, didn't have that connotation from the very beginning. Correct. You know? Well, also, how much of this has been mistranslated so many times that he became, because if the trick is, because you've heard this theory before, that if God is really the devil and oh, the devil God. is really God... Then Lucifer, to... Lucifer would be given the bad name on purpose, even if he was a good guy. And I'm not saying this is true, of course. You're but trying to if, shock people's minds. Yeah, well, that's the purpose of the podcast. You can't, <clears throat> if you don't think about every single well, possibility, yeah, yeah, yeah. how are you going to get to the truth? Well, yeah, but I mean, even even if you just run through what was written, you know, Luc Lucifer wasn't bad until he got jealous, until he vied for power, because he was, he was the light bringer. He was, you know, the most favored. He was you know, the, the beautiful one or whatever before his fall. And like, you know how they say, because what was it, five deadly venoms? Once an evil deed is done, it goes on and it goes on forever. Well, if you think about it, and and, and, and I hate to, to say his name because then it causes all kinds of trouble, but if we're shocking people's minds, you know, Hitler wasn't a bad name before Hitler did Hitler's shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and, and Lucifer wasn't a bad name before Lucifer did evil shit. And so, you know, and the Templars didn't have a bad reputation before the King of France said that they were bad and labeled them as such because he wanted their money. That dirty bastard. And, you know, he raided their mother house on Friday the 13th, and that's why Friday the 13th ever since then has been an unlucky day because it was the day that the, the King of France and... And the the Pope betrayed the Templars. Well, there was a couple different. Oh, yeah. That was the truth. Well, well, no, it happened on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Happened on Friday there was the a couple ones that happened on Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Just yeah. We have to cross-reference their dates. Yes. What, 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 what did I say the original date for the Templars was? Was eleven something? Yeah, but that was a couple hundred. That was years before uh, they were overthrown and the yeah, King of France took their shit. So the the word Baphomet that we talked about before, mm -hmm. it was first written by a French crusader in 1098, so that would predate the temple. Well, that's what I mean, because Baphomet was supposedly, you know, a demon that they were worshipping. So you don't want to worship something that's born after you. Well, here's the <laughs> thing, though. The French crusader is saying the enemies, so if they're Islamic enemies, were calling upon Baphomet prior to battle because mosques are called Bafumarias. Okay. So uh, the old French word Mahomet, which is Muhammad the prophet. Mm -hmm. So w why would the Templars have Baphomet? Well, it, because cause we're not sure because there's so many secrets and lies twisted about what the King of France put forth as his reasoning to acquire all of their treasures. You know what I mean? He essentially framed them. He's like, oh, you know, they're they're spitting on the cross, they're renouncing Christ, and they're worshiping a disembodied head that they call Baphomet. So none of all of that might be untrue. It might just be his cover story for why he raided their their strongholds and took their treasure. And then of course um, Alistair Crowley adapted <laughs> Baphomet, and we don't really get into Crowley Alistair. on this, the on this of the podcast, Dawn. but... You're going to have to... The Order of the Golden Dawn, we're not going to do a podcast on... On the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn? Oh, jeez. Uh, we <laughs> might as well. I'm going to quote Crowley. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. 
He argued that contrary to traditional Christian thought, Satan represented not the enemy of man, but he who made gods of our race, knowing good and evil, he bade know thyself and taught initiation. He is the devil of the book of Thoth, and his emblem is Baphomet. Yeah, some fucked up shit. The hieroglyph of arcane perfection. He is therefore life and love. And you see, and now we're, we're weaving yeah. Egyptian mythology into into our... Uh, yeah, but then again, if you think about it, um, Egyptian mythology or Egyptian history is closely associated, even though we don't associate it, because the Jews were in Egypt for how many years? And even if you just take what well, the Bible says... Theoretical, but yeah, but yeah. I'm saying even if you just take what the Bible says and Moses left, you know, being raised in Egypt, seeing Egyptian shit for that many years, you know, he, he's he's going to be kind of partial to uh, Egyptian art. And, now the, the last thing I and wanted to, what have you. the last thing I wanted to touch upon was uh, so John the Baptist and the connection to Knights Templar. Well, the some, people view, dead. some people view John the Baptist as the true Messiah. Other people view him as well, Satan. Well, he, so. yeah, but he, heralded him, he heralded Christ's coming. So, you know, he said, one shall come, and I am not he, or whatever. He is not I, or whatever the hell it is. And then he got his head cut off. And supposedly, they, there was a reliquy bearing his head that the Knights Templar did have. So that that's one of the things that supposedly they kept in their 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 mother house was uh, a reliquary that contained John the Baptist's head. And who, who was it? Was it Salome who requested his head? I don't know, but, I want but referring head? to John the Baptist, since he was in a long line of Gnostics known as the the Joanites. Well, I mean, he's he's predating Christianity because he's the by one a thousand who, by a thousand years. Well, yeah. he heralded in Christ because he he said that Christ is coming. Well, yeah. So that included Jesus, or is that Zeus? No, John, Jesus. John the Apostle, Mary Magdalene. John was not just a name, but also an honorific title, meaning he of Gnostic power and wisdom. He is related to the Sanskrit Janana, pronounced Yana, meaning gnosis. Well, yeah, and if we're we're gonna have to do a, a podcast on the the Gnostic texts because that that gets a little bit. Because now, crazy well, as well, well, yes, and and we can't not mention Madame B- Blavatsky, you mm-hmm. know, about with the, the Theosophy. Is so, it Olga? What was her first name? Was um, that Olga? I know. I don't know her first name. Yeah, I think. Well, anyway, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And so, because the Joanite t- Church which was uh, acquired by the Knights Templar, was alluded into Isis Unveiled by the esoteric Madame Blavatsky. Yeah. While claiming to have learned it from the ancient Kabbalistic records, Blavatsky stated, the true version of the history of Jesus and early Christianity was supposedly imparted to Hugh de Payen by mm-hmm. the Grand Pontiff of the Order of the Temple. Yep. The one named Theoclete, after which it was learned by some knights in Palestine from the higher and more intellectual members of the St. John sect who were initiated into its mysteries. Freedom of intellectual thought and the restoration of one universal Gnostic religion was their secret object. Sworn to the vow of obedience, poverty, and chastity, they were at first the true knights of John the Baptist, crying in the wilderness and living on wild honey and locusts. Such is the tradition and true Kabbalistic version. Well, yeah, because, like, when you look at the Gnostic texts, I believe if you distill it down to its its root, it's it's a way to circumvent becoming a Christian in order to get into heaven. And I think the Gnostic texts are preaching that there is a side or a back door into heaven where you can get accepted by your deeds. So that, that matches with what you just read. Well, also, it's important to uh, to note that uh, one of the reasons why there's so many problems because they're like a lot of the secret traditions. There were two doctrines: one that was public and one that was private for the members. Yep. So, and uh, 
So the Templars, like all other secret orders and associations, had two doctrines, one concealed and one reserved for the masters, which was Joanism, the other public, which was the Roman Catholic. Thus, they deceived the adversaries whom they sought to supplant. Yeah, and, and that makes sense with everything that we just stated. Even in the beginning, when uh, Christopher Knight gave the true you know, Masonic doctrine, and then the Masons bought all the books and no one can read it, and then they put out another book with, with a fake doctrine so that they could deceive us and we wouldn't know what their secret practices were. And if the Templar Knights, who were the Knights of, of Christ, saying that they were Christian and looking out for, you know, travelers' welfare, if their secret doctrine was, you know, worshiping a disembodied head, there you have the duality again. So, I mean... And this, I'll, I'm going to leave you, <laughs> viewers, with this one comment, which will lead into our future podcast. So the great mystery, mysteries of, of Gnosticism and uh, whatever called ancient mysteries, mysticism, that all originated in Egypt, as we mentioned before. And in Egypt... On, on the records, which the Egyptians, uh, Solon, who, who first knew of Atlantis, <laughs> went to the Atlantean mystery uh, school funny. in Egypt, named as such, the Atlantean mystery school, and supposedly Thoth was one of the kings of Atlantis. Yeah. And, and then that goes into a whole other well, diatribe. Yeah, well, and, and Thoth, what you just mentioned, because if you think about it, if, and we're just saying, take it at face value, if Moses and the Jews were held in captivity in Egypt, they would be aware of Thoth. And then yes. if they, and then when they left and they journeyed, eventually you're going to get uh, Solomon's temple. And, you know, Thoth might still be there. So when the Knights Templar came and got all the secret books and the Ark of the Covenant, there might be some mention of Thoth. And then you have them making their kingdom and then Madame Blavsky or whatever, you know, quoting, uh, you know, the Templar secrets and mentioning Thoth again, you know, it's, yes, it's going to find its so way. So we're going to have to get through. into Atlantis, the Great Flood, oh and Lord. all these crazy secrets of the past. I will have to tell you, there were American Templars. They did find Templar churches and marks of Templar yes, throughout the yeah, United I saw States. Yeah. Of unknown dating. Yeah. Carving in yes, stones and yes. and the round churches that I mentioned before. Yep, yeah, yep. I remember seeing videos of those. Yeah, yep. and they're all over. And aren't some aren't some of them uh, astronomically aligned? I'm sure they are. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. But we hope your minds were shocked tonight, and uh, we'll we'll see you guys again next time. This is Bruce McGuire. This is Rook Davis. I do shit. Oh, natural powers.